Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, I have been reading from a lot of people on social media that um, most people don't enjoy chatter at the beginning of podcasts, so we're not going to do that at all. But um, we don't do a whole lot of that anyway. No, um, we don't. But before we get started, there is something that um, I need to uh, make everyone aware of, um, and that is Squirrely Joe's Coffee. This is not a paid advertisement. Um, but, uh, if you're looking for good coffee from a brother in Christ, uh, squirrely Joe's coffee, he was actually really kind. I, I got some coffee and, and he sent you some as well. And, uh, I, I love coffee. In fact, coffee is my source of water. Um, I drink filtered <laughs> water. I only drink filtered water. It's just mostly filtered through coffee. Um, but <laughs> But it's good stuff, and I think you enjoyed uh, you enjoyed it too, right? Are you a big coffee drinker normally? I, I, don't um, even know. I, I often I often say God made coffee and and it and declared it good. Um, no, you won't find that exactly in the scriptures, but I read that into it. That's the one place I'll, I'll isogee. Yeah, I do love coffee. I, I did get a chance to try Squirrel's coffee, and honest opinion, um, I, I thought it was really good. Goes down very easy. There's no bitterness at all to it. Um, so very good choice. Um, if you if you like good coffee and 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 want black coffee without feeling the need to put sugar and cream and all that, and you just want it to just just taste great on its own, I think Squirrely Joe's is a great option. Yeah, the dark roast. I agree. It, it was not so bitter uh, at all. So there you go. Um, in fact, it's it's good enough that we're going to try to help that brother out and we're going to put a link to Squirrely Joe's coffee in the show notes. So if you like coffee and you're tired of buying for from people who hate you or you just don't like your coffee, you can try him out. And uh, yeah, so moving on. Um, it, I have I have a shout out. I want to be able to give. So I, I, I was uh, a gentleman reached out to me and uh, shared a testimony. And, and so we always ask for these testimonies and always pleased to hear them. But in this case, I heard of a, a young man, um, 13 years old, maybe 14 at this point, um, by the name of Elijah Leonard. He told me that he loves our podcast. He listens to it regularly. And so I just want to give him a special shout out. It's always encouraging when people listen, but especially someone that young. And certainly I hope and pray that he finds godly benefit from it, but it ultimately leads him back to the scriptures and his desire to just grow in greater Christ-likeness as, as the scriptures state. But what a great encouragement to hear that someone so young um, enjoys just hearing two men talk about God's truth. And so very thankful for Elijah Leonard. Uh, we're praying for you and thank you for just listening, you and your father both. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Elijah. Um so we've got a great topic today um, for the next few weeks. So we're going to kind of get into uh, some um, systematic theology, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what that is. But, uh, we've covered some of the doctrines of the word, right? The doctrines yeah. of the Bible, bibliology, um, more appropriately called. And uh, so we've talked about sufficiency of Scripture a lot, um, which we'll continue to do until we draw our last breath. Uh, we've talked a little bit about inspiration. Um, and, and so there are a couple more in that category. If you were kind of doing a little more of a formal study, we would talk about 
the clarity of Scripture, which we're going to talk about today, the necessity of Scripture, which we're going to talk about today, and the authority of Scripture, uh, which we'll we'll get to as well in in a in another episode. But before we jump into the clarity and necessity of Scripture, I just want to remind folks um, of the inspiration of Scripture. We did a whole uh, episode on this, um, and, and the reason we did that is because I I think personally, and you and I haven't had a lot whole lot of dialogue about this, but I I think personally that. The battle of inspiration has to be won before you can win any other battle of these doctrines. So we often like to talk about the sufficiency of Scripture. But the yeah. problem is, if you don't believe the Word of yeah. God is right. the inspired the Word, word yep. from God, well, then you can't believe it's sufficient, truly. Yeah. Um, right. And so when we talk about the inspiration of Scripture, just as a reminder, we're just very simply understanding that God— so orchestrated the lives of the authors of Scripture that everything they said that's written in the pages of Scripture was God's Word. It's what He yeah. wanted. So He used their personality. Um, he used the place uh, that they grew up, their education, yeah. to form them in such a way that they would speak the words He wanted them to speak. And that's why when Paul says, I, not the Lord, but I, we still understand that to be something God wanted and inspired. Mm -hmm. And then you read it in context and you discover that he's not saying this isn't God, right? Right. Um, so go back and listen to that episode. It's a really good episode. So let, let's talk about the the clarity of scripture first, and then we'll talk about the necessity of scripture. So um, what, why don't, there's a big word that's often used, and it doesn't really, uh, I don't care if people know the word, but if you hear it floating around out there, why don't you give that for us and just kind of a simple definition uh, what what what's the doctrine of the the clarity of scripture? Yeah, the other word that's often used is perspicuity. Perspicuity, definitely not a word that I would ever use if I wasn't introduced to it in theology class. And the clarity of scripture says this: it says that the scriptures are sufficiently clear for us to be able to live a life of godliness. That's essentially what it is. Now, it doesn't mean that everything is crystal clear on a at a first glance doesn't mean that there isn't work involved to try to understand the scriptures. Uh, but uh, I love what one theology book stated, um, stated scripture is sufficiently clear to, to leave people no excuse for disobedience to their present duties. And I think that's a good way of putting it. When it comes yeah. to obeying Christ, when it comes to obeying God, when it comes to following after his example, sure, there are matters of conscience that take a lot more time and thought to, to really think through. But in terms of our obedience, what we're called to do, um, I believe the scriptures are crystal clear in those areas. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's what the doctrine teaches. And so when we talk about uh, the, these things, the clarity of scripture, the sufficiency of scripture, the inspiration of scripture, um, it, you know, we need to understand that there are definitions to, to those, right? Um, and, and so I, you'll see this conversation on social media. You'll hear it in churches. You know, someone will say something like, "Well, the scriptures are clear." Right. And if they're talking about the doctrine, the clarity of scripture, um, you know, someone may instantly think of, well, I mean, how clear are they? Because look at all these denominations that right. we have. Um, right. you, you guys can't even figure out whether you're supposed to baptize babies or sprinkle them. Um, right. Well, the Baptists have figured that out. We're just waiting on our brothers to catch up. But anyway, um, it, you know, or, you know, a, a valid response might be, well, I, I mean, and what do you do with Second Peter, right? Because in Second Peter, I can't remember where now, um, but Peter says, 
Look, there are difficult things that the Apostle Paul has written, right? Yeah. You, you find yeah. that in Second Peter, Second chapter Peter, three, right? Yep, chapter, chapter three, three, right? Yep. Paul says there's some difficult things that, or Peter says there's some difficult things that Paul's written. hard to understand. Yep, yeah, um, and and so what, what do you do with those verses? How are the scriptures clear yeah. when the scripture clearly states that there's difficult things? And so I think that's when it's helpful that we understand what we mean by the clarity of scripture is not that we're going to understand everything uh, perfectly, but but the believer, and this is for the believer, but the believer can read the Bible and get everything they need to live a holy, faithful life before God. All the doctrines necessary for salvation and faithfulness um, can be understood. By the believer, and and that's it's really that simple. I think sometimes we overcomplicate uh, this. Of course, there are difficult things. That's the reason in Ephesians, um, you know, God gives pastors and teachers to the church, for instance, to help explain His Word and things like that. That's we sharp, you know, we sharpen one another. Um, and, and so there are yeah. difficult things, but that's what we mean by the clarity of Scripture. Yeah, and even Peter, you mentioned that example from Second Peter when he references Paul. He says some things in them are hard to understand, but he also talks about those who twist and distort it as being untaught and unstable, right? So we approach the scripture in a very careful way. Second um, Timothy chapter two verse fifteen talks about a, a worker who need not be ashamed, but is diligent um, in the scriptures and able to rightly divide the the word of truth. But First Peter also mentions that the prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, when they wrote the prophecies of Christ, they ended up having to search and examine their own writings to try to figure out the the time and the person uh, about whom they were writing about. So we know that even the Old Testament prophets did not always see clearly as to what they were writing. So how can we say that the scriptures are clear when there are very clear examples, as you mentioned, that there are things that are not clear? Well, even in the case of the prophets who wrote those things, while they were not always clear on the person and the timing, they were clear on how they were to conduct themselves. They were clear that there was a hope. So there's no excuse for disobedience to God. And that's really what we're claiming here in the scriptures. You know, we're not saying that the scriptures are simple, that anyone would understand it. And we're also, and this is very important, we're, we're also, you pointed out that, hey, this is addressed to believers. And when it comes to obedience to God, Obedience to God is commanded for believers, and believers can only understand it if they have also the ministry of the Holy Spirit to illuminate their hearts and their minds to that kind of teaching. So it is clear, but it is not absent of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would say it is dependent upon the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yeah, these doctrines are are, are often, um, you know, just for believers, because an unbeliever isn't going to be able to open God's word and and understand the depths of scripture. I mean, this is why you get guys like um, Peterson. I can't think of his first name now. Jordan um, Peterson, yep. Jordan Peterson, who, yep. I, I, you know, in terms of just general cultural wisdom in in yep. what's going on, he has a, he, he has a good grasp on reality yep. in those things, but he comes to some of the simplest passages in scripture and, and he butchers he, them. He, just, he doesn't get it. Yep, he doesn't get and, it. And it's because you need... The elimination of the Holy Spirit. And so for the believer, it's just a great example of someone who's extraordinarily intelligent, far more intelligent than I am. Um, But when it comes to scripture, he doesn't have what's necessary. And that's the Holy Spirit. 
So for the believer, you can open up. Um, and, and I think the Bible itself proves that it's clear in in this way. And and if I'm thinking of an example, I, I'm first actually going, you know, because I've been preaching through Ephesians. Um, one great example is actually God's commandment to parents. You go to Ephesians chapter six, and the commandment to parents is to instruct their children, right, in in, in the things of the Lord. Now, that, yeah. um, in fact, let me just pull pull that up. Um, that's Ephesians six, one through four, I think. Here, yeah, um, it, it's it's a great example of of scripture. Okay, so chapter verse four in chapter six, right? Says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction yeah. of the Lord. Now, that's important because that passage assumes two things. Firstly, it assumes that the parent can read the Bible and have enough understanding that he can then teach what he's read. Yeah. That's the first thing that's assumed. The second thing that's assumed is that the child can actually understand what mm-hmm. the parent is teaching them. And, and so I, it's just it's just one demonstration of the scriptures being clear. In, in, any thoughts on on that? Any other? Well, I, you know, when I when I hear that passage, I think of Deuteronomy because that's borrowing from Deuteronomy where the Israelites were instructed to make sure that they're constantly teaching their children. They're raising them up the right way. They're sharing the, the testimonies of God that they grow up with this kind of, kind of wisdom. And, and so, yeah, th- this is, if it's if it's good enough to teach a child, then it's certainly clear enough for an adult to be able to understand and to be able to turn around and, and teach. So all this, look, the, the scriptures, we, we've talked about um, the fact that it's our authority, and maybe we'll have another episode where we talk about authority, but it can't be our authority if it can't be understood. And, uh, and, and, if, and if it's understandable, then it should be something that we actually live out. And so the clarity is right there at the center of all this. Um, God would not give us a word that we couldn't understand and then expect our obedience to it. And then really, when we talk about all the different denominations, and a lot of people will attack us and say, hey, <clears throat> it was so clear, why are there so many denominations? Well, in spite of all the denominations, what I find in common is that when I interact with someone who actually knows the scriptures, we agree on all the major items. You know, the, the there are other issues that are more secondary, but the primary stuff, the, the the gospel, the identity of Jesus Christ, the truth about God, the truth about what's happening in the future, what we're called to, you, you know, the prohibitions in the church and the things that the church are called to, all of it crystal clear. Um, so this is not, um, you know, the denominations aren't uh, any kind of um, proof that the scriptures are not clear. And in fact, one of the greatest um, enemies of the perspicuity or the clarity of scripture is the Roman Catholic Church. So one of the folks that tends to attack this will, will say, no, it's not clear. That's why you need uh, what they call an infallible interpreter. And that is essentially the Pope. Well, if the Pope is an infallible interpreter, why in their history have there been disagreements between what the various popes have said? And, and really the goal of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, especially when you get towards closer and closer to the Reformation, um, has really been to block the people from being able to see the Word of God and to say that you have to go through clergy who are trained in a certain way to be able to, to, to bring this um, to your understanding. And, and that's been the issue, and that's why so many people were ignorant, and that's why so many people like Martin Luther and Jan Hus tried to translate the scriptures into the common language, because they saw the value in letting the people see the word for themselves, to be able to see it and to understand it, and the reason why it was blocked 
by the Roman Catholic Church is because they didn't want them to see the truth. They didn't want them to arrive at the right conclusions of the Bible in, in that salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone, and that the scriptures indeed are clear and that people can be able to read them and understand them and be able to obey them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, you know, I mean, and those guys died for for that so that we would have a Bible in our yeah, own language yeah. that we could read, you know. Um, a, a couple other examples, though, it, and, and just keep in mind when we're talking about these doctrines, these are set understood doctrines with parameters. So if you if you start changing the meaning, you're no longer talking yeah. about the, the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture. Right. Um, and but there are yeah. some other examples in Scripture that that prove itself to be generally clear. Right. If we use that phrase, uh, the Ten Commandments is one. Right. The Ten Commandments are really clear. Um, there's no ambiguity in thou shall not murder. Right. There's no ambiguity in thou shall not commit adultery. Um, it, yeah. it, it's clear. And, and it's and it's foundational in the Old Testament. Right. The Ten Commandments. And I would argue uh, it's still foundational because it's part of the moral law for us today. Uh, the gospel message. Right. That is a clear message. Mm-hmm. Repent. Believe yes. in Christ. Yeah. Uh, clear message fundamental message uh of the entire christian faith right um the wisdom of proverbs right uh, the, and and i would argue really all the books of wisdom but especially proverbs proverbs the wisdom there is very easy to understand yep. um the great commission right another another major uh thing we would point right. to right the very last command christ gave to the disciples the great commission it's an easy to understand fundamental doctrine so you have all these that really just prove that generally speaking the bible is clear um and so just a reminder right it's clear for everything you need for faith and practice right that that's that's the doctrine and i think something else um oftentimes i i see this when i quote things about the perspicuity of scripture or the clarity of scripture or any of these doctrines um is that oftentimes you'll get a lot of pushback from people who clearly aren't believers. And sometimes I think that can cause Christians confusion. Um, Of course, it's not clear to them. And so we mustn't forget Mm -hmm. if you're dialoguing with someone who's obviously not a believer. And and look, I, I know people are very hesitant to say we can't judge the salvation of anyone. That's really stupid. Stop saying that. Um. I, I think there are yeah. most definitely signs where we, we can look at someone and say they're not a believer, right? Um, otherwise, we'd never be able to say this person is a false teacher. This person is a wolf, right? Now, we're not going right. around judging the hearts of right. those who are in the church, who are engaging in the disciplines of the faith. That's a whole separate thing. But if someone is out there flaunting their their sinful lifestyle and they're happy about that and engaged in that, they're they're not Christian. So when those types of people engage us and start bringing up all these examples of how the Bible's not clear, um, oh well, the word homosexuality right. was only brought up in. And there's a movie that's a good example because didn't they just come out with some kind of documentary I haven't seen about how um, the Jesus Revolution? Yeah, yeah. The word Lonnie homosexuality, Frisbee, right. yeah, uh, didn't wasn't in the Bible, and so it's actually not clear whether or not that's a sin. Well, you're talking to an unbeliever. Yeah. So just understand, right, that of course it's not clear to them. 
they're still being blinded by the powers of this world, by the prince of the power of the air. And what they need is not a conversation about the perspicuity of scripture. What they need is the gospel, right? Um, And and so sometimes believers, I think, get confused and sidetracked uh, just because of those conversations. So it's good to remember that the clarity of scripture is assuming that you are a believer and are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, let me add to that. Um, you're preaching through Ephesians. So this is right out of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse starting at verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Disobedience to God um, leads to depraved thinking, um, futility of mind, um, this uh, being darkened in understanding, being ignorant, uh, having this hardness of heart, which is salvation, uh, a big part of salvation, going back to Ezekiel chapter 36, is to replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. So that is, uh, as you're stating, we don't expect the scriptures to be clear to those who reject God. And also remember this, that the modus operandi of Satan himself goes back to Genesis in the garden when he said, has God really said? And so he is using the world and the people in the world to push forth that agenda, to question God's word, to undermine it, to cause people to doubt uh, what it says. But let me point out another verse, and this is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the scriptures are clear, and they're clear in the most important areas where they need to be clear. In this case, the gospel, knowing our need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so everything we have there, the gospel, and if the scriptures were not clear about the gospel, then we would be a people who are hopeless because how do we know what the truth is? How do we know, in fact, the book of John, which I'm preaching through right now, the whole purpose of the book of John, John chapter 20, verse 31, John says, um, these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that in believing you will have eternal life. So the scriptures self-testify on on that account. Uh, The most important message, which is the gospel, the most important person who is Jesus Christ, the most important need, which is salvation, the most important problem, which is sin. I mean, all of that is laid out very clearly in the scriptures for anyone who reads it and is willing to hear what God has to say. But when people deny it, oftentimes there is another agenda at work for them to try to undermine what it says. And I think that that brings us to a really good point of, you know, why are these doctrines important? Well, I mean, you've really just said why they're important, right? I I mean, because understanding, and particularly the doctrines of the Word of God, bibliology, right? Um, The the reason it's every, I think there was a time at one stage in our country where the average Christian probably tell you what the doctrine of clarity was, what the doctrine of necessity was, what the doctrine of inspiration was. I think we haven't had that for a long time. And, and that's and that's the fault of having pastors who aren't qualified and doing every other kind of thing uh, than, than shepherding the way they ought to be. But every believer, uh, and, and I think the reason I wanted to, that, that we're doing these is because every, these are doctrines 
that are so fundamental to, to the faith. Every believer needs to know them. And I think every believer needs to, to realize that you don't, you don't need to be an academic. Uh, you, you don't need to be in the ivory tower, the, the theological ivory right. tower. You don't need to be in the, a seminarian to learn these doctrines. They're not difficult. I, I know if you follow, you know, Facebook and Twitter and you, you, you get all these doctrines that are dividing up the, the, the nature of Christ and his deity and his humanity. And, um, but, but these doctrines, uh, sometimes we just oversimplify things. Um, and when, when, when guys are in academia, they'll have more time to dig down into things that, uh, that, that are meaningful, but can be helpful, but they're often not fundamental, if that makes sense. But these are fundamental doctrines, um, and they yeah, change uh, your entire yeah. Christian walk. Yeah, they do. And, and you mentioned scholasticism, academia. A lot of times, the most clever methods of undermining scripture comes from the universities, comes from um, those who are academics and quote-unquote theologians. And I've often said that I would prefer um, the simplest person, and by simple, I mean that maybe they're not educated, um, they they don't have a, a, a great degree of intelligence, but God has saved them. They understand the scriptures. They believe the scriptures. They follow the scriptures. And I would say such a person is far better off than the most intelligent person yeah. in academia who undermines the scriptures. Now, I think also of the emergent church movement. And we had Phil Johnson on as a as a guest a while back. And, and uh, at that time when it came out, he was actively fighting against the emergent church movement. And one of the tenets of the emergent church movement was essentially that scripture is unclear, that it, it is better to be um, less confident about what the scriptures say and, and to raise the degree of uncertainty. So uncertainty is seen as like almost a virtue, being uncertain of what the scriptures say. Well, the more uncertain you are of the scriptures, the more sin that you're able to excuse. So it, it has it has a goal involved there. And, and the other example, more closer to modern day, is kind of this standpoint hermeneutics or, or this ethnocentric hermeneutics where, where we read that um, you can't fully understand what the scriptures say unless you hear from all these different people groups. And so now different people groups coming together hold the key to unlocking the scriptures. And now the scriptures, the real truth, is more Gnostic. It's more secretive to you that even though you read it and you think you you know what it says and you think you're clear about it, um, well, you need to hear from these different people groups in, in order to get that. Well, now that, again, that raises the the uncertainty of scripture and, and now it leaves more room for people to be able to say what it really doesn't say. And it's exactly what Peter said when he referred to Paul, when he said uh, with regards to his writings, and he talks about the wisdom given to him, wisdom given to him from God, but the untaught and unstable twist and distort. Even Peter, though he himself admits that some things are hard to understand, and yet it's the untaught and unstable that uh, that distort them. So we, we have to recognize, too, that the that that affirming the clarity, the perspicuity of Scripture is also very important towards affirming that we can know what God wants from us. We can actually obey God from what the Scriptures tell us. Yeah, and that's the practical application right there, right? I mean, the 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 why do you want to learn what the clarity of Scripture is? Why why do you need to know this doctrine? Well, it's that right there. You need to know this doctrine because. In knowing this doctrine, you can be assured as a believer that when you go to the pages of Scripture and you're reading rightly and you're searching the Scriptures, that you can come to the truths that God wants you to have. And so it, it, knowing this doctrine, and 
you know, sometimes guys will talk about systematic theology and so, look, systematic theology is just very simply um, understanding all that the Bible has to say on a given subject. Yeah, right. Right. And so the doctrines of the Bible, for instance, the clarity of scripture is just simply asking the question, what does the whole Bible have to say about mm-hmm. the Bible's clarity? Right. So, but it's so important because now understanding the clarity of scripture, it means when you go to the scriptures, you can go expecting to hear from God and expecting yeah. to understand. And so it really is extremely practical. You know, theology is never meant to be an, an intellectual exercise. Right. right. We get that from a lot of folks. Um, but if if your theology is is that, then you're not doing true theology. Theology is meant to raise our affections for Christ. It's meant yes. to Amen. deepen our love Amen. for God and for the word. And 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 so that has to be the result. Um, but they all have practical applications, which, which we'll get to. So we've talked about the clarity. Um, let, let's let's kind of end in the necessity uh, of Scripture. These are not very long doctrines, although if you put two pastors together, we can talk. Um, <laughs> so you get to the necessity of of Scripture, and and so the question that this doctrine asks is: Well, do we really need the Bible, and and why do we need the Bible? that that's the question so uh, how, how would you answer that why do we need well going yeah i would go right back to second timothy 3 verses 14 through 17 we just read that opening part you however continue in the things that you have learned to become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in christ jesus only the bible provides the the truth of the gospel, which is needed for salvation. And not only that, but once we have been saved, only the Bible guides us in how we are to walk. So the next two verses, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate or complete, equipped for every good work. And it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that talks about the fact that we are the workmanship of Christ. We are saved for the purpose of good works, which God prepared even before the foundation of the world. And if we're prepared for good works, then how are we to, how are we to be equipped for them, where we're to be equipped for them through the word of God? Now, let me tack on something else. And this is going to tie to both clarity and necessity, because there are some people that think, yes, the clarity of scripture means I don't need to go to a church. I don't need to hear from a pastor. I don't need to hear from a teacher. I can go and just sit by myself, by the Bible, and learn everything on my own. Well, the problem is, if you're doing that, you're actually being disobedient to the scriptures. Because God has actually given pastors and preachers and evangelists and, and prophets and apostles first to the church in order to the to equip the saints. So you can't be fully equipped just by the word of God while ignoring it and disobeying it with regards to the gathering of the church and sitting under those whom God has gifted in order to teach. So even here, as we've read through 2 Timothy, at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul talks to Timothy about the testimony that Scripture has had in his life that led him to salvation, as well as the, the value of Scriptures that is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. What comes right after that? It's chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, where Paul urges Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort 
with great patience and instruction. So while the scriptures are clear, they're also meant to be understood in obedience to God's word as it relates to the church and the people who are gifted to teach. And when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit not only illuminates our hearts and our minds to understand the words of God, but I believe the ministry of the Spirit also helps us to understand as we're listening to teachers and preachers as well, using God's word to measure up everything that they that they say and teach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, First Peter 1 says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all, in all your behavior. How else are you going to know what holiness is like yeah. other than the Word? Yeah. Right? It, it's impossible to be obedient to Scripture, which makes Scripture necessary. Um, it, you know, Ephesians 5.1 tells us to be imitators of God. How yeah. can you imitate God if you don't know who God is? Right. And we only have one authoritative source uh, of who God is, and that's, again, the scriptures. Um, and, and so we see it's necessary. Now, l- let me just throw out maybe an, an apologetic here, because there might be some, uh, and we get this in our area, and it's all around, but we, we live in a beautiful area here in Alaska, right? You, you you've do, got yeah. glaciers and mountains and the oceans. It's one of the few places that you you get you get mountains, glaciers, ocean right there together right and so um we've come across this a, a few times just evangelizing in the community and people say oh well i don't need to go to church uh, I, I i worship god out in nature and so we might be tempted to think okay well psalm 19 actually does say that um god demonstrates his existence in nature right uh, the heavens are telling yeah. of the glory of god psalm 19 and then you think Oh, well, not just that, actually, but even Romans, right? Even Paul says that the creation um, speaks of the existence of God, you know, that his attributes and and are demonstrated throughout nature. So so that we might be tempted to think, well, why do we need the Bible? We've given a bunch of examples already. Um, But if if those questions come up, uh, even in your own mind, you can see why Scripture is necessary. But ultimately— that is an issue of the difference between how God generally reveals himself, right? Yeah. General revelation and how God specifically reveals himself through Christ and, yeah. and special revelation in that sense. When we say special revelation, we're meaning that way. Um, you can only come to the knowledge of Christ through scripture, right? Someone has right. to have a Bible, yep. right? The, the missionary that goes to the deep, dark parts of jungle and he preaches and people get saved and they come to Christ. Um, the people in the deep, dark parts of jungle may not have a Bible, but that missionary had to have one. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so the Bible is necessary for not just salvation, mm-hmm. but also for sanctification, for holiness. Yes. Um, you, you, you can't know God without Scripture. You can't know Christ without Scripture. You, you, you can't come even to just understand the gospel without scripture. Yeah, when, when Jesus Christ was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, uh, one of the things that Jesus responded back to Satan is that man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Uh, <clears throat> I've told this story before, but ran into uh, a lady when we were at the last G3 conference a couple of years ago who said that the gospel is simply that God is love. And, uh, and she was a red-letter Christian, called herself a red-letter Christian, only believed uh, the actual quotations from Jesus Christ himself and nothing else, believed that the Old Testament was basically garbage. And so I brought her to Matthew 4.4, and she got very upset. 
Because in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, in the red letters, Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And clearly, when he says that, he is not referring to the New Testament because the New Testament hasn't been written yet. He's referring to all the words of the Old Testament. Um, so the the scriptures are the, the source of life. It's how we are raised. It's the noble Bereans, when they saw the Apostle Paul, they did not simply accept everything that he said. They eagerly received what he said, but they examined the scriptures carefully to see if these things were so. So we we have to, you know, the scriptures are there for everything relating to life and godliness, and we have to depend upon them. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 17, as he's praying to God, the Father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Um, so our sanctification, which uh, is our progressive holiness, right? So we are set apart when we are saved, but we increasingly become more and more like Jesus Christ as we continue in this Christian life. But the the foundation for that, the the, the food for that, really comes from the Word of God. That's how we are sanctified. Yeah, I, another verse, Romans, uh, Romans chapter ten. I, I mean, yeah. uh, if you start at five, listen to these first couple verses. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does does these things shall live by them, but the righteous of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will go up into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart a person believes leading to righteousness and with the mouth he confesses leading to salvation for the scripture says whoever believes upon him will not be put to shame i mean here you have paul right i mean multiple times pointing to the fact that the word is necessary and so yeah. very very clear cases you want to add to that yeah just um old testament psalm 1 uh, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And then thinking about that meditation day and night, I can't help but to also think of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, mm. this is what the Lord says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And by the way, when he says shall not depart from your mouth, it means that you're always talking about it. It's always It's, it's always the subject of what comes out of your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, just as Psalm 1 said, so that, and here's the purpose, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So spiritual success and prosperity depends upon us following what the Word says and meditating upon it day and night. Yeah, so I, you know, the practical application again for this, this one is easy, right? Um, you, you just simply can't come to know what faithfulness is. You can't come to know what Christ, who Christ is without Scripture. You can't come to know what um, Christ expects of us, what God expects of us without Scripture. Um, and, and so, again, it does, you know, understanding the doctrine creates the expectation of if I know this book, if I study this book, if I know this book, that one, it's clear so I can understand what God wants me to understand from it. And two, because it's clear and it's necessary, um, I, I can get all that I need for, you know, for life and faith in Christ with it. And and so really these these doctrines should, I mean, they I, I think they should create some level of excitement in Christians 
when you think of studying the word and being in the word, uh, because God's given them for our our faith and for mm-hmm. our growth. And, and I think, you know, understanding these things truly and, and, and deeply, and I say truly because you do get a lot of lip service when you start talking about these doctrines, right? People say, oh yeah, I believe in the inspiration of scripture. Yeah. But then you find out that same person writes off the apostle Paul. Okay, yeah. well then you don't believe in the inspiration of scripture. Right. If if you can pick one single verse, yes, even that verse uh, that you're thinking of that Paul says, I, not the Lord, even that verse, if you can pick one single verse out of the Bible and say that is not something God wanted there, then you don't believe in the than the inspiration of scripture. Um, same thing with the clarity of scripture. If you don't believe the Bible is enough, this one is important in our day, right? If you believe you need secular psychology, if you need, um, you know, secular, secular and worldly ideologies to understand basic human nature and things like that, then you don't really believe in the clarity of scripture because yeah. scripture is enough to understand those things Right. And again, the clarity of scripture isn't saying the Bible's clear to teach you how to change your tire. Um, it, you know, people always bring these weird arguments up. You're like, I, yeah, right. That isn't what the doctrine means. Right. Right. Um, but uh, how to discipline your kids, how to cope with anxiety, how to deal with anger, um, yep. how to have a biblical marriage. Right. Yep. Um, all those things are to, clear. Yeah. Yep. All those things are in scripture. And so if you believe in the necessity of scripture, then you believe you can go to scripture for, for those things. Um, so uh, these doctrines are extraordinarily practical and they're so fundamental that a lot of what we see today is a result of it. These things not having been made big deal in churches for, for such a long time. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts on, on those? No, I think um, I, I think this has been hopefully clear as we talk about the clarity of Scripture. And I think what you can see as we talk about the clarity and necessity of Scripture is that this ties into a lot of the other truths that we know to be true about Scripture. The fact that Scripture is sufficient, that it's authoritative, that it's, it's inerrant. Um, a lot of those beliefs um, start to fade away if you deny the clarity and the, and the necessity of Scripture. Yeah, well, I, I did a couple polls as we end up, um, and they weren't out very long, but it would just be interesting to share if if some of you are like, well, I wonder if most people believe these things or if they don't. Um, so I, I did a poll on all three of these. Do you believe in the clarity of Scripture? Uh, 161 votes, so not a large uh, not a large pool there. But uh, 92% of people said, yes, they believe in the clarity of Scripture. of people said they weren't sure what it means. So if you were Mm, one of those, now I hope you understand what we mean by the clarity of scripture doctrinally. Um, So another one was actually inspiration. We we did that one uh, previously, but um, we actually had a couple people, um, 98% said yes. And there were a couple people who said no. Um, So you do have some people out in just a very limited poll. Uh, who who reject the inspiration of scripture. Um, and then the last one was, do you believe the whole Bible is absolutely necessary to live a life pleasing to God? Now, this one's a bit shocking to me. Um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Um, I did throw in a trick question, right? So I, I had yes, no, or the thief didn't have one, right? The thief <laughs> didn't have a Bible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but let me just tell you, the thief did not live a godly life. He died uh, a godly death. Yeah. So, 
Um, yeah. So that's what I would say about the thief on the cross. God in his graciousness sometimes grasps the sinner on the cusp of death. And okay. uh, they're not baptized and they didn't have a Bible. But someone had a Bible because otherwise he wouldn't come to the truth of the knowledge of the gospel. And since Jesus was not only the word um, yeah. and also used the word, right? Uh, so he he did in that sense have the word right, right there. But 75% of people said, yes. Yeah, so 15, really that and the thief, if we throw that in there, but you got 25% of people who don't believe the Bible is necessary to live a godly life. I hope that if you were in that category, um, that y- you've changed your mind during the course of, of this conversation. Repents, but that just yeah, goes to show. Right. Right. It just goes to show you how important these doctrines really are. A quarter of, and this had 391 votes, right? So if a quarter of people don't believe the Bible is necessary and they profess to be a Christian, I, I can guarantee you one thing. They don't know God truly, and they probably don't know Christ truly. Yeah. Oh, amen right? to that. And, and um, you know, for the thief on the cross, um, we know, first of all, Jesus sees to the heart. And we know that faith is what's needed for salvation. And the entire Bible is not needed for faith, which is needed for salvation. The entire Bible is needed for those who have already put their faith into Jesus Christ and want to glorify God in their life. So if the thief on the cross had hypothetically not died, he would have devoted himself to the word of God and how to grow in Christ's likeness. But I think the thief on the cross is a great testimony um, of really the, again, the clarity of scripture, because it's the gospel that saves. And on that cross, he, he believed who Jesus Christ was. And one other example, just John chapter nine, the blind man who had been blind from birth, right? All these Pharisees are questioning um, the the act. They're trying to find a way to explain it away, to discredit Jesus Christ. And throughout the book of John, you see so many people who seem to believe, but they don't really believe. But this one blind man, when he finally realizes who Jesus Christ is, you know what he does? He worships him. That's that's true faith. And so faith yep. is what saves, and that's what the scriptures testify. Yep. So if you're living a life, a holy life, you're going to need the Bible. If you come to Christ on your deathbed, well, you just need the gospel, but that means someone needed the Bible, yep. right? So right. E- either way. Well, guys, I hope that this has been helpful to you. Uh, again, we, we would love to continue to get emails from you. Uh, if the podcast has been helpful, um, we'd love to hear what God's doing in in your life so please email us uh another thing we have a youtube channel now uh it seems that increasingly people are preferring videos in the day and age we live in which is okay i have a face for radio but Eki yeah i don't know why you'd want to see video i don't know why you want to see either of us <laughs> but if you can suffer that uh go to our youtube channel please subscribe love to see you there you can you can get the video and all our, our weird hand gestures and whatever um you actually just see my fingers occasionally pop up like this uh, that, that's just for people on the video so if you want to know what i'm doing you'll have to go to the youtube oh, channel oh man Anyway, uh, God bless you guys. We appreciate you. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.